Yes, yes, everybody. It must be Tuesday. Welcome to the Conflict of Interest. I'm, of course, Dan Kelly at The Real Dan Kelly on Twitter. With me, as always, my co-host, a guy who tries to be right sometimes, but sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. King Rich, how you doing, buddy? Ladies and gentlemen, A. Rich, Akeem Richens, this is indeed Built in Buffalo, the show is conflict of interest myself dan kelly if you don't know us please please get to know us and dan i'm doing swell on this tuesday night i missed you buddy uh i'm excited to do the show i'm always excited to be right against you and uh this should be a fun jam-packed show bro hey and it's not always about winning and losing when it comes to conflict of interest. We, we love the audience engagement. We love looking at things from the other point of view. I want to preface this with, guys, we are a Buffalo Bills channel. Built in Buffalo obviously covers the Buffalo Bills in its entirety, and we always will do that. But on the conflict of interest, we also like to get into the other 31 teams in the NFL because th- there are other things going on, and, and I – I think everybody needs to know certain information about the other teams, and Rich feels the same way. Spin, of course it is Dan, because Dan hosts this show. So, of course <laughs> it's Dan. Every Tuesday at 8.15, you can catch A. Rich on the right and Dan Kelly on the left. But we're getting right into it today, Rich. We're not holding back because yes, quarterback sir. is a need, okay? No matter how much they want to downplay it, and that's exactly what they're doing right now, especially Brandon mm-hmm. Bean. They are Mm -hmm. downplaying the fact they need a corner, but Mm -hmm. it's a need. That's why Stephon Gilmore is in the thumbnail today. What are your immediate thoughts on the cornerback position? If the Bills went into week one with this cornerback depth chart, what are your immediate thoughts? Uh, Immediate thoughts is, is, is lack of proven commodities at the position, right? When you look at the Buffalo Bills uh, cornerback, cornerback depth chart, how it's currently constructed, uh, you have Tredavious White, who is out. We know an ACL timetable, a significant injury like that is around 9 to 12 months. That will put Tredavious White maybe at the start of the start of the season. But who knows? If I'm the Buffalo Bills brass and your off-pro cornerback is hurt, you may want to take time before you rush a guy like that back, right? But beyond him, you have Dane Jackson, who has experience. But then you have uh, Cam Lewis, who is an undrafted free agent. You have Nick McLeod, who's undrafted. You have Tim Harris, who's a six-round pick. You have Elijah Griffin, that's an undrafted cornerback. So the Buffalo Bills have a lot of unknown commodities. And because of that, it could be a, a, a bit worrisome. So the Buffalo Bills should, and I think they will, do something to upgrade this cornerback draft, uh, uh, this cornerback depth position. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. Apologize for that. <laughs> there, you, there you go. There you go. Before I get to my point, I want to thank everybody in the comments for coming out. Of course, we have Izzy with the super chat. Of course, mm-hmm. if you don't know, Izzy hosts the Red Zone Report every Sunday. Be sure to tune into that from Built in Buffalo. Lone Wolves here. Always a conflict with Dan. You know, so, some of you just know it. Okay, it's good. <laughs> we got Joseph in here talking Gilmore already. He's ready to go. Kim, how you doing? We got Puka. And Luis, how you guys doing? We appreciate you coming out. But Rich, you're right, and and they they want to talk about these guys at corner, mm-hmm. and and the way that the Bills' defensive scheme works, or or it has worked since Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier came into town, 
It's just, hey, plug and play, and, and it works. It really mm-hmm. doesn't matter who's there. Levi Wallace worked out. By the way, mm-hmm. if you guys hadn't heard, I, I heard a comment from Levi Wallace this week about how he decided where he was going to play. Did you hear about this, Rich? I have not. No, I haven't. So so he was talking to his agent, and he was torn on whether or not he was going to choose the Buffalo Bills or he was going to choose the Pittsburgh Steelers. So mm-hmm. according to Levi Wallace himself, he he prayed. He, pray, he prayed to God about you know what he should do and if he should choose the Steelers to give him a sign. Mm-hmm. Okay? That, that, mm-hmm. This is what he said. And he looked down at his shorts – and his shorts were black and yellow. Okay. So he called he called his agent and he said, "We're going to Pittsburgh," and and that was that. And okay. so that's why that's why the Buffalo Bills had missed out on Levi Wallace because he he happened to be wearing black and yellow shorts on mm-hmm. a certain day of the week. Whether okay. you want to get into the religious side of things, that's not for me. Mm-hmm. But hey, you know it happens. So there are some names up on the screen and there's, there's a guy in your thumbnail and everybody wants to talk about Stefan Gilmore. Yes. I want to preface with the fact that I do not want Stefan Gilmore on this football team. If, if I had to give you a rating from one to five, how likely I think it could happen. Mm. I'd give you about a 2.7. I think it is a possibility that the bills look at him. It's been, it's been reported. Okay. It's mm-hmm. it's not just us that that think it. That there are reports in the media that say, "Hey, the Bills are looking at Gilmore." I don't know how he feels about Buffalo. We know his wife does not want to come back, based on what she said. Which she put out a tweet that said, um, "I'm not going where I've already left," which is in reference to, I believe, Buffalo and New England. Mm-hmm. But Joe Hayden, Rich, is is another name out there who you know was amazing in Cleveland, underappreciated pro bowler plays in Pittsburgh for a couple of years. Is he on the older side? Yeah, of course. But I think I would rather have a Joe Hayden than a Stefan Gilmore at this point. Um, Very, very interesting. I mean, how likely is it to happen? I honestly think it could be more likely the bills out the two would be closer to signing a Joe Hayden than Stefan Gilmore out the two, in my opinion. Just because Joe Hayden has never, never obviously played for Buffalo, uh, I think he's a guy that he he has something to prove in his own right. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steelers didn't re-sign him. Uh, he's probably a guy that at his age, he's done a lot. He's accomplished a lot. Now he wants to take that next step in his progression in terms of being on a successful team that has an opportunity to hoist a Lombardi trophy. So if the Buffalo Bills had a had to had to pick between these two in terms of who would be more likely the guy it would be joe hayden in my opinion but i do think the better player here is stefan gilmore (laughs) i i I think stefan gilmore even even in this system you you think stefan gilmore would would be the move i i think i think he's a, a a better player right now in both their stages of careers and i get it and i get it uh stefan gilmore said and i quote my people finally gonna be Finally get to see me play on TV. He said that and when I, he started on the Patriots. <laughs> I know how people feel about it, and, and I know how they feel, okay? Because yeah. Buffalo's home. Buffalo is, is our city. It's it's where the teams are. It's where it's where the community is. But you have to separate business and, and pleasure sometimes, okay? And Killing. if, yeah. if Stefan Gilmore, if Stefan Gilmore comes back to Buffalo, it, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. 
Is it a possibility at the end of the day? Yes. Is it a likely possibility? I can't answer that for you. That That's where right. I'm at on this. And I want to give, give a few comments out. Dan, all Dan's agree. That's just the rule. No to Gilmore, he says. Spin says that Gilmore is still a CB1. Now, I disagree with that because I I think if you were a CB1, there would be a lot of teams calling you. You And, and it, I think he said, he, he may have came out and said that teams are calling him. Maybe he's waiting for the right situation, but... I don't think Gilmore is a is a CB one anymore. Maybe a CB two, but not a CB one. I and and maybe you'll disagree with me on this, Rich. But I uh, I liken him to a um, Josh Norman when he came to Buffalo. Uh I I disagree. <laughs> I think right now Stephon Gilmore is 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 leaps and bounds better than Josh Norman when, when he came to the when Buffalo Josh Bulls. Norman first came. Not not after he played, not after he played yeah. a game. Mm-hmm. But when when he was signed, a top top thirty. Now I can agree with this spin, a top thirty two CB. But I don't think he should be the number one corner on on any team, if that makes sense. And I and what it is, and I think you alluded to it a little bit. You touched on a little bit a couple of minutes ago. I think us as as Buffalo Bills fans, we we are we can be unforgiving at times, and I think. The feelings involved with what Stephon Gilmore said back in 2017, in my opinion, is the reason why Bills fans wouldn't want a Stephon Gilmore. But I'm looking, I'm trying to win the Super Bowl here. That's my main focus. And if we can forgive and everybody else, if if the organization could forgive and everybody else uh, in that process can forgive, I believe so as we as fans. And I think Stephon Gilmore is an upgrade for the Buffalo Bills cornerback roster if he was to sign. Do I think he will? No, I don't think he will. But I wouldn't mind Stephon Gilmore coming back to the Bills because I think he would upgrade that cornerback room. I I don't think so. I, I don't think so. What, That's harsh, what, man. What, what did Stephon Gilmore do with the Carolina Panthers last year? Well, he was did, hurt. Did, did, you, did you notice him making plays? Uh, well, you know, Carolina, Carolina is kind of similar to the Bills in 2017. I don't think he was on TV much. <laughs> you know, I don't think he was nationally televised much, but I know he played. And, and shout out to Izzy. He's asking if Buffalo's on TV now, right? Yes. Izzy, I, yeah. I can't answer this question for you because right now it is the off season. But once the <laughs> schedule reveal comes out and we see how many primetime games there are, I, I will get back to you on this question for sure. But Rich, I. I, I don't think Gilmore is is the superstar he was a when he left Buffalo and B when he left New England. He he's aged, he's gotten hurt a few times, and he's been relatively healthy throughout his career up until the past couple of years. But but mm-hmm. this is when this is when you know you gotta you gotta choose who matches more between Stefan Gilmore and Joe Hayden. I would take Joe Hayden. Hey, hey, I'm not I wouldn't be opposed to either. I think the Buffalo Bills can use either cornerback, even though they both might be on the other side of their careers in terms of their primes. Uh, but uh, I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at your assessment at all. I think Joe Hayden is still a guy that that can get the job done, especially in our system and our zone scheme system uh, where the ball is in front of you and you all you got to do is make the play. I think he could be a, a asset to our defense. So. Uh, uh, we'll see what happens with with Joe Hayden and Stephon Gilmore and where they where where they land. And let's not forget, right now the Buffalo Bills have the least amount of cap space in the entire mm-hmm. league. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. la- dead last, which I believe they're in they're they're close to the negatives right now. That that's how bad it is in Buffalo right now. So before any of this gets done, there will need to be some more roster moves, whether it be somebody getting released, whether it be some more people getting reworked. None of these signings, whether it be Stefan Gilmore, whether it be Joe Hayden, whether it be another veteran cornerback, it's not going to happen till after the draft. That That's just the fact. They need to sign their draft class. And I want to pass it over to my man, A. Rich, because A. Rich says that the Buffalo Bills should double dip at cornerback. And I want you to, to explain this to the audience, A. Rich. What do you mean by this? And this is assuming because, like you just said, and I think that's that's ultimately the Buffalo Bills' biggest problem in terms of in, in terms of signing a corner. If the Bills had more money to spare, more money to spend, then who knows? The chances may be significantly higher in signing a Joe Hayden or signing a Stephon Gilmore. But because they are so uh, heavily cap strapped. And uh, the Buffalo Bills lack those commodities at the corner, proven commodities at the cornerback position. I think the Buffalo Bills will indeed double dip uh, at the cornerback position in the draft, meaning select multiple corners, kind of like they what they did in 2018. In 2018, they signed, they drafted Teron Johnson in the fourth round. Then they turned around in the fifth round and drafted Cyron Neal at cornerback. So I think we are going to see uh, something similar this year because we don't have that veteran free agent, that Vontae Davis that we usually sign in the offseason, that EJ Gaines, <laughs> that Josh Norman, right? So I think the Buffalo Bills uh, should definitely do that here. And why is that? One is, uh, like I alluded to earlier, Trey White. We don't know when he's coming back. And when he come back, we don't know what Trey White we're getting right away, right? So Rich, so- Rich let, me, let me ask you this. Because I, I see this sentence here, double dip a cornerback. Yes. And I start thinking, where where are you thinking this? Are you thinking like this is early, early rounds, like first, third? Are you going later rounds? Where where, where do you see this kind of thing coming together? Uh, for the Buffalo Bills, uh, I think the first cornerback is within the first two rounds. Uh, the next cornerback can be anywhere in the draft. And the reason why I say it could be anywhere in the draft after that, it could be the first and second round. It could be the second and third. It could be the second and fifth, second and sixth, because the Buffalo Bills do a pretty good job in, in drafting cornerbacks even late. Even the late round picks for the Buffalo Bills at the cornerback position uh, end up on the field. Now, the amount of impact they give is 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 to be judged, but you have a Levi Wallace who was undrafted. You have a Dane Jackson who's an impact player, starting cornerback. That's a seventh round pick. Cyron Nils a fifth round pick. Teron Johnson's a fourth round pick, and they all have impacts on the defensive side of the ball. So, double dipping at the cornerback position for the Buffalo Bills is. Uh, early in the draft for their first selection and anywhere thereafter uh, in their draft, in their draft process after that, because the Buffalo Bills do a good job in, in drafting these cornerbacks and they have a system friendly quarterback, uh, uh, system friendly defense that caters to the cornerback position. And, and I think that's definitely true because it's just how, how the Bills defense has worked the past couple of years, whoever's on the other side works. And Dane Jackson may work, but as of right now, he's not a proven commodity. And not that it, not that a first-round rookie is a proven commodity, but I believe maybe the top four cornerbacks in this draft class 
are more talented or could play better than Dane Jackson can right now. Is that, is that um, a good assessment, you think? Um, it's definitely a, a possibility, right? Of course, what Dane Jackson has over a rookie, over the incoming rookies in this class is the experience. He's been around. This is, his, this is his third year, but the the athletic ability is just, it, it may be different from Dane Jackson as opposed to the first round pick. That athletic ability from that first round pick may be superior to Dane, to Dane Jackson. And sometimes athletic ability is all, you, all need. you need. Exactly. Look at a guy like Trayvon Diggs. Who who just yes. goes out and picks ten balls out of the air, and he gets named, you know, he gets talked in the defensive player of the year conversation, even though he's mm-hmm. given up tons of yards on the side as well. But I, I, I'm gonna get into corner in a second. I want to get this question up, Brian. What's up? How you doing? Would you trade a second, third, and a fourth to move up to fifteen? Um, I'll take the lead on this one, Rich. Uh, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think right now what the Bills need to do is they need to get rookies, you know, pe- players who are playing on low contracts and playing at a high level. So if you're trading away more and more picks, I'm not. I'm not of that. Especially, I don't think Brandon Bean is that way. He w- he will make a trade if the price is right. But I want to tell you, the the way that this trade works, I have to know what the draft board looks like. I have to know who is selected, who's left. There are a lot of intangibles that I don't know before looking at this trade. Rich, what are your thoughts? Uh, I I think moving up to 15, it, it could moving up, trading up period can be a possibility for the Bills. But for this for this partic- particular scenario, uh, I don't see it. If the Buffalo Bills were to tr- trade up, I don't think they would their mortgage their entire draft this year, so to speak. I think they'll give up some bits and pieces this year. And if they want to move up, they probably dip into next year's draft to move up and, and get certain guys. So I think while I do while I do think they would want to trade up, I do think they still want to continue to draft some guys. And I don't think they would want to mortgage everything. Yeah, and I, I think that's a really good point. Um, FGH with the any thoughts on Eagle Saints trade. Yes, we, we will be getting that, get to to that, that shortly. I did want to, I did want to let you know. And it's time so, for the Buffalo Bills. It's time. I want to say this before we move on. It's time for the Buffalo Bills to, to draft the cornerback high in the draft. High in this draft. Trey White. A, Ray, a Trey first White. round pick. Trey White is the only cornerback on the roster drafted within the first three rounds. So it, it's time to, for to the me, Buffalo Rich, Bills to draft the cornerback. It has to be a first. You, you have to show a, a second I'm okay with. A third I'm not into. I, I want it in the first or second. You need to show him that. You know, you're capable of putting somebody else on that side. Levi Wallace did a good job over there, but he, excuse me, he exceeded expectations of what was expected of him as an undrafted free agent. And man, he deserved a lot more money than what he got in Pittsburgh. I don't know who Levi Wallace's agent is, but I think he deserved a much higher contract of $4 million per year. But we we were all sitting around yesterday, Rich, and, and nothing was going on in the football world. And then all of a sudden, what? 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 Yeah, a trade. And and FGH alluded to it a second ago. The Saints and the Eagles made a trade, and it was completely random. It wasn't reported by anybody before it happened. I want to get the trade details up for you right now so everybody knows what's going on. So the Philadelphia Eagles traded away their number 18 overall pick, first rounder, of course, the 101st pick this year in the third round, the 237th pick 
in the seventh round, a 2023 first round pick and a 2024 second round pick. That's what the Eagles received. Now the Saints received the number 16 pick this year, the number 19 pick this year, and the number 194 pick this year in the sixth round. Now that my first thought on this was, why are there seventh rounders in, involved in trades at all? <laughs> like I get you, you can't, you can get a player that, that works out there, but like, how do you be like, you know what? Throw a seventh rounder on that, and I think we're good. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I I guess they go by the, you know, I guess that trade chart is a thing, and they gotta they gotta put in certain players or certain certain uh certain trades to make this this quote unquote trade chart work. So I think that's how uh they come up with 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 this type of, of trade package, which is a a random and yet very interesting trade for for both teams. And, and well, they need to do something about this trade model because look at what the Bills gave up for Josh Allen, right? It, it mm-hmm. wasn't mm-hmm. all that much, and and mm-hmm. it seems to have worked out for Buffalo. I mean, Tampa Bay got a Super Bowl out of it, I guess, if you want to be technical. But what are you going to do? Yeah, and I think a lot. I think Tom Brady, who wasn't a part of that package with the Buffalo Bills getting Josh Allen has a lot to do with it, but uh, understandably so. Um, maybe maybe that trade model just needs some work, but I want to get into this trade, Rich, and, and your thoughts. Let, let's go on the Saints first because mm-hmm. the Saints quarterback right now is Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. Are they going to compete for a playoff spot? I think so. I think they will definitely compete for a playoff spot. They're a good enough team. They were one game out of the playoffs this year, I believe. Um, are they a step away from a Super Bowl? No. Not not even close to that. You don't have your franchise quarterback. What's going on with Michael Thomas? Elvin Kamara got arrested during the offseason. What, what is going on with your organization that you make this trade this year for for mortgaging your future, right? Is mm-hmm. it is it for Malik Willis? You think they're going after a quarterback? You think that's why this trade happened? I mean, you know, any anything's possible. Will they make another trade? Will they make another move come uh come draft night depending on what what quarterbacks fall off the board and and they have now the capital to make that move up to get their quarterback that they want. Who knows? That could be it. Uh could Dennis Allen possibly think the NFC is that bad that his team can actually be a Super Bowl ready team because you don't, division you don't give up a first round pick. You don't give up a first round pick next year unless you think your team is a Super Bowl contending team. At least that's my thought process. And I'm interested to know what the hell Dennis Allen is thinking when he's giving up uh, a future first round pick. Do you really think that's going to be a late first round pick? Ta, 25 or 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 or, or later? Uh, very interesting pick. I think the Eagles won this trade going away. E- easy, easy enough. Yeah, the, the Philadelphia Eagles are really smart here. I want to I want to say this. It seems like Jeffrey Lurie, the, the Eagles owner, does not commit to a quarterback. It, it just feels that way. Like Carson Wentz was there. Obviously, he didn't work out, ended up being mm-hmm. traded. Now Jalen Hurts is in town. I think Jalen Hurts had a, a really solid year last year. Maybe not, you know, the best of anybody. Obviously, he didn't win MVP. The Eagles didn't win the Super Bowl, anything like that. But mm-hmm. at times, the Eagles looked like a pretty good football team. And there are reports that, you know, Hurts isn't the guy. And it's been talked about. You know, Russell Wilson was 
was talked about as a trade there and, and stuff like that. So what are you saying, Spin? Why do people think the Saints lost a first-round pick? They moved their next year's first-rounder to this year. So the Saints did lose their first-round pick, it looks like. And, and the Saints the Saints received two first-round picks, if, if there's any confusion. The Saints have the number 16 and the number and 19 pick, and the Eagles mm-hmm. have 18. So instead mm-hmm. of having 18, they now have 16 and 19. If there's any confusion, I understand the, the details are a little confusing in that trade. So, but so basically what Spin, Saints, Spin is yeah. just saying they, 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 they have two first round picks this year. So that makes up for not having a first round pick next year, which, which I, 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 I guess I get it. I guess I understand it. It's going to be interesting to see who those two picks are. Once we could put a name behind those picks, we'll see. And, and a performance and player evaluation, we'll see if ultimately those uh, that trade makes sense. And we and we can't judge it yet, obviously, because the players haven't been picked. But the point is, is is the Saints must feel like they're they're this team that are ready. But the Eagles are. It's being said that they're not, you know, locked in with Jalen Hurts. So maybe mm-hmm. they want a quarterback next year. Maybe they want to see, you know, how the class looks. I think the Eagles won this trade point blank. Look at all they got back. It's not like the Eagles are some team that, you know, does a terrible job in drafting. The, the Eagles, mm-hmm. if I had to put them into like a category of, you know, bad, good, great, all that, I'd put them like right at, at mediocre. You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. okay, but mm-hmm. they're not a dumpster fire. They're not a team that that I think can mess up this trade. So props to the Eagles for, for doing this. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing this was the Saints calling teams, you know seeing how far they could move up. And and I'm I'm thinking if you do this, it's for a quarterback. But if it's for a quarterback, why Jameis Winston? Why is he back? Because they signed a backup too. And Blake Bortles asked for his release. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I think the Saints just may be going a little crazy. But we'll, we'll see what happens. They have two first-round picks this year. We'll see what happens. I think uh, the Eagles are going to give, at least this year, I think the Eagles are going to give Jalen Hurst every opportunity to to uh, unanimous, unanimously win that starting job. And I think Nick Serrani, that head coach over there with Philadelphia, is going to is going to provide the necessary pieces to give a proper evaluation for Jalen Hurts. They're going to give him uh, the offensive uh, weapons. They're going to give him the offensive line. They're going to give him every opportunity to be that franchise cornerback, quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. And if he's not, then that's what the first-round pick next year is going to come into play as impossibly uh, challenging uh, Jalen Hurts for that, for that quarterback position next year if Jalen Hurts don't perform this year. So you guys have heard our thoughts on on cornerback, you know, regarding the draft, regarding veterans. You've heard our talk on the Saints and Eagles trade. But me, me and Rich have yet to disagree, and, and I think it's a problem. So it's about time we head into our conflict of the night, this being the conflict of interest brought to you by Built in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. When should the Bills target a running back? Mm-hmm. It, it's a it's a age-old question. You know, the running back position has been devalued for a very uh, long time. I, I think it's been five or six years now that, you know, running back really isn't going super high since maybe Zeke. I believe Zeke was picked four, five by the Dallas Cowboys. He was, but, definitely, he was definitely top 10. He was definitely top 10. Yeah. For pick, pick four or five, I believe. So when should the bills target a running back, Rich? Uh, now this is all 
on what you think about not only the running back position, but the the team in its totality, right? Uh, best player available. Do you believe that the Buffalo Bills should, or do you think their philosophy, Brandon Bean's philosophy, is indeed best player available? And if that is the philosophy, then uh, running back, in my opinion, may be on the board early for the Buffalo Bills. And what I mean early, uh, I'm talking about as early as a day two pick. Uh, I'm not going to lean so much with the first round running back thing, but a, a, a running back day two, which is the second and or third round, is and should be a possibility for the Buffalo Bills. Why? Because the Buffalo Bills are loaded. The Buffalo Bills do not have any glaring holes. They don't have any crazy knees. They have their franchise quarterback. They have they have a lot of receivers now with Jamison Crowder. They have a starting offensive line. Yes, we talk about corner, but even the cornerback position, we have a bolstered pass rush with Von Miller now that should alleviate and take some pressure off the back end. So if you're thinking about how loaded the Buffalo Bills are, what's the one thing that can make an already potent Buffalo Bills offense even more dangerous? That explosive running back. So in my opinion, if the if these two running backs are on the board in day two, uh, the Buffalo Bills should definitely look into drafting them. And one is Brees Hall, the running back out of uh, out of uh, uh, Iowa State. Brees Hall, we're talking about 194 missed tackles forced since 2019, 50 rushing uh, t- uh, 50 rushing uh, touchdowns since 2019, 734 receiving yards just last year. So not only can he tote the rock. He's an excellent receiver coming out the backfield. And oh, yeah, 439 40-yard dash. So he's an explosive runner. So if he's available in day two, the Buffalo Bills may want to jump on that because that would make the Buffalo Bills uh, a more explosive offense and add a dimension that they don't have already. And the second running back is Michigan State's Kenneth Walker. Uh, Michigan State's Kenneth Walker is another very explosive back with breakaway speed. Four three or uh, four three eight forty, and he has the the juke moves and elusiveness that the Buffalo Bills don't currently have. So if those two running backs, Kenneth Hall, Michigan State, Brees Hall, Ohio State, is available, I mean Iowa State is available in day two of the NFL draft. Those are luxury picks for the Buffalo Bills that I would not mind them jumping on. So that's how I feel about uh, the Buffalo Bills running back situation. What you got for me, Dan? Now, now I, I listen I listen to A-Rich talk all the time. And there's not many times he sways me. Now, th- there were some there were some points in there where I was like, okay, I'm on board. I I I was thinking, you know, that's okay. And and I think I'd be okay if the Bills took a running back on day two. Would I be okay on day one? Absolutely not. They need they need a cornerback, in my opinion. First round mm-hmm. should be cornerback. But, Rich, the, the reason I'm not sold on this second-round, third-round situation, you tell me there's no glaring holes, right? So I want to tell you, next year Josh Allen's contract officially hits. believe he's scheduled to make upwards of $40 million next year. Mm-hmm. Just hit. Mm-hmm. You have Stefan Diggs, who has to be reworked. You have Dawson Knox coming up very soon, I believe – believe next year is going to be his contract year after that. You have Tremaine Edmonds. You have Ed Oliver. Not mm-hmm. all of these players. Jordan Poyer 
not all of these guys are, are going to be able to come back if they're playing at a supremely high level, which we probably expect them to do. So the reason that I, I don't think I can completely agree with you is, is for that reason. I think you need to draft other positions. And I want to take you back to your own thoughts. Mm-hmm. You you had mentioned that, that the Bills need to go interior offensive line early. Mm-hmm. So let's say mm-hmm. that's a day two pick, right? Second or third round? Agreed? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. For, for first round, we're, we're on, I'm guessing, the cornerback or wide receiver. I'm definitely is, is on the cornerback. I'm definitely on the cornerback the cornerback train in the first round of the NFL draft. So, yes. so if we go corner in the first round, interior offensive line in the second, that leaves the third round. That could be a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. It could be a running back. It could be mm-hmm. could be another corner. You know, you said you wanted them to double dip. Could be a mm-hmm. linebacker. Could be – they love drafting edge guys. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I, I if I had to guess, I, I'll agree. How about this? Uh, we're we're going to have the first ever – bartering system here with, with this rich i can agree with you on day two as long as we agree it's the third round you know what i i, I would i wouldn't be opposed to that now they i want to they ask, can even I, they can even move up they can even move up in the third round if somebody's there th- that they really want now i want to ask you a question do you believe in brandon bean and the buffalo bills in terms of when they draft they are drafting the best player available. <sighs> because if you draft I don't know. the best player available, are you going to get are you going to get uh, a top three running back in the NFL draft, or are you going to get the sixth or seventh best lineman in the NFL draft? You know. So are, are are you truly a believer in Brandon Bean when he says best player available? Because if you're going best player available. And if certain running backs is on the board in day two, uh, I, I, I might lean to that position. Now, I'm a guy, I want to give Josh Allen as much toys as humanly possible. Yes, I understand we have other needs to address. You talked about Hoy, uh, Poyer. Uh, I think Poyer is, uh, in my opinion, I think the Buffalo Bills, he's a free agent after this year. I think they should do something and re-sign him. I think both Poyer and Hyde have productive years left. So, uh, and we'll talk about that later for you guys who are wondering about Hyde and Poyer's future with the Bills. That will be just in a little bit. Yes, yes. Keep going, Rich. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 no. You're fine. No, you're fine. But at the end of the day, uh, it's about it's about best player for me. It's about best player available. And I think if certain running backs is on the board, I think. I think I would want a, a top three running back in the draft as opposed to a, a, a lineman that's in the, the seven to 10 range. You know, I think that running back can be a, a more of an immediate impact than a lineman that's going to be a debt piece ultimately and, 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 and a developmental piece that we hope could could come in and, and do well for the Bills in the future because the Buffalo Bills offensive line is technically set. So, it's a lot of interesting things, but I'm a believer in best player available in the draft for the Buffalo Bills, and uh, I wouldn't be opposed to to drafting a running back day two if those if those running backs that I name in particular are available. Now, if they're not available, then it's a it's a totally different ball game. But if those two, Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall, is available second third round, man, I would jump on that opportunity. I want you to read this comment, Rich. 
Hey, Rich, why are you so why are you so set on the interior offensive line when we have when we have Cody Ford? Well, uh, Cody Ford, <laughs> first of all, he uh, that's that's uh, that Cody Ford. I don't even he gets a lot of discussion in this on this show. <laughs> he gets way too much discussion in this show. But we dropped we we signed uh, Greg Mance. We don't know how good he is. Obviously, none of us do. We know that he's a career backup. We we got back Ryan Bates. I think us re-signing Ryan Bates. Even though I, uh, the the Bills' interior offensive line, the depth is still a need. I think Ryan Bates uh, calms my nerves a little bit with the Buffalo Bills' offensive line. I want, I'm not opposed to drafting more, but it all depends on how that draft board falls. And if certain players of impact is there for the Buffalo Bills, I would I would be hard pressed uh, not to take them. Now, Rich, you asked me if I believe in best player available, and if I yes. believe in that in that mentality. Do I? Yeah, I, I do. I do kind of because I, I believe in it right now with, with the Bills coaching staff, with with the way they scout these college guys <laughs> and the way they have developed rookies and young players over the years. I am I am certainly OK with it, but I, I just I don't know that it, it always is that way. I think they may say it's that way, but at the end of the day, they have their draft board. And mm -hmm. there are 32 teams in the NFL with probably multiple scouts per team. How many draft boards do these guys have? How much time does it take? Imagine being in that war room, you know, mm -hmm. when, when you're debating on a pick. But to me, mm -hmm. running back is one of those positions where in the draft, once one running back goes, let's say, believe it was Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon's year. I think he went in the third round. Mm -hmm. And as soon as Joe Mixon went off the board, you went to start seeing the other running backs come off the board. As soon mm -hmm. as Mixon was gone, everybody was like, okay, we got to gotta snatch our guy, snatch our guy. So mm -hmm. if I was the Buffalo Bills in terms of running back, looking for it, it, it depends on who they like, of course, and mm -hmm. where it falls because the Buffalo Bills are in a very tough position in this draft as to where they, they have needs, right? And, mm -hmm. and they do, they know they have needs, but they can't really do anything about it. Because it all depends on what the teams in front of them do. That's what happens when you're a good team. You know, mm -hmm. you 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 get dealt the the later picks in in the draft. So he's gonna have to hit on them, and and maybe it's a move up. If if I had to tell you whether the Bills were gonna move up in the first round or another round, I would tell you another round. I I don't see them moving from pick 25 in the first round. I believe they're gonna sit on it and just. And just stay there. I want to get to this question from Rich. Do you mm -hmm. guys think guys will be willing to take pay cuts to stick together? NFL is a business, but it seems Buffalo may have a different culture right now. Thoughts? We'll get into that in one second because we are going to talk like Hyde and Poyer, and I believe that is what you're alluding to. That may be my next topic. Let me take a look at my list here. That's it actually question, is. Rich. So let's get into it right now. Mm -hmm. Hyde and Poyer. So as of now, Jordan Poyer, you said, is in a contract year after next year, if that's correct, right? After next season? Uh, he, he Well, he will be a – Jordan Poyer will be a free agent after this season. Uh, after Micah this Hyde, season. After this season, 2022 season. And Hyde has this year and next year. So he has two years left on his deal. Poyer has one. Okay. So both guys are in their 30s, correct? Correct. Okay. They're, they're, they're playing unbelievably well. Right. So so there's no reason to to break them up prematurely or or look for an for an upgrade. Could you find some
Uh-oh. Did we lose Dan Kelly here? I think I cut out. I'm sorry about that. No, you're good. Are we, you're are good. we back? Okay. Yes. I, yes. With, with the same leadership, the same coverage ability, the the same moxie, you know, all, all this. Yes, uh, Lone Wolf, we did rework Micah Hyde's contract, mm-hmm. but it, it was just moving money around basically. Mm-hmm. If, if I had to tell you how long they were going to stay together – I would guess that it would be another two to three years. I think Jordan Poyer is the type of guy to where, you know, he was drafted, I believe, to Cleveland in, in yes. the seventh round. Yes. And it didn't work out there. He, he comes to Buffalo, and it it really becomes his home. You know, mm-hmm. his, his wife's there, and he's having – I think he's having a blast playing with Micah Hyde, playing on that defense. Mm-hmm. And, and Micah's the same way. Micah leaves Green Bay, comes to Buffalo, and mm-hmm. w- would they take a pay cut? I, I don't know if that's the word for it. If if I had to put it into words for you, I think that um appreciate you, Chris. Thanks for coming in. I, I know I know you're always working when I'm streaming, but thanks for coming in. Um I think the way the way you make these guys happy, A Rich, is you give them a hell of a signing bonus. Be like, hey, we appreciate what you do for the Buffalo Bills. We're not able to give you this money in terms of yearly. But mm-hmm. we do want to show you that you're important to this team. We mm-hmm. want you here for the long haul. So mm-hmm. I think that's how they do it. And you know what, Dan? And as much as I hate to do it, ladies and gentlemen, I have to agree. I think I'm, I'm going to make that my uh, my phone call sound. <laughs> Dan, I have to agree. Dan, I have to agree. Dan, I have to agree. <laughs> uh, I, and I think it was uh, an excellent assessment between these uh, that you said between the, uh, these guys, especially Jordan Poyer. Um, pay cut, like you said. I don't think it would be a pay cut, but it's more uh, it's more like appreciation. Uh, and I think the appreciation goes both ways with player and organization. The organization uh, appreciates Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer for their play, for their incredible play. And I think Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde appreciates the Bills organization because uh, if we got to call a spade a spade here, they both resurrected their career with the Buffalo Bills. The Green Bay Packers did not appreciate Micah Hyde, so that's why they uh, they elected not to resign him. Jordan Poyer was not appreciated with the Cleveland Browns. He was going through injuries, lacerated kidney. It just never worked out. And they both got their appreciation from the Buffalo Bills organization. And what they did was, uh, in, in, in retrospect, turn into all-pro players. Right, we're talking about uh Hyde and Poyer, first and second team all pro players. We're talking about Hyde and Poyer. How much games have these have this tandem missed? This tandem hasn't missed much games in five years. Hey, my- hey, to be fair, one, one of them was hurt a lot, <laughs> not both of them, but one of them was you know on the sideline, the other one was out there. That there were right. those times, uh, and I think maybe this season was was the season they played the most games together. It's not that they're you know Iron Men out there; they're not you know. They're durable though, man. They're they durable. They're very very. We talking about five years. I don't think they missed more than a handful of games in five seasons for the Buffalo Bills, either player. Um, so I, I you know I think Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde. Uh, I think after this year, of 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 uber productive ball for those two players i think they have two more uh uh highly productive football in them after this year so three years in totality man uh for this tandem in my opinion 
I'd have to call you on that, Rich, because because I think Micah has missed has missed more than a couple of games. He, no, he let's had look that, it up. Let's he look had it up. that he had that one year where let's where he was he was injured for sure. Let me let me let me let's bring up, up the stats. I think they I'm both been, I think they both been pretty pretty damn durable, man. Pretty damn durable. Okay, so game started for Micah. It looks like. It looks like you may be right. Maybe maybe he was just injured and playing through it. Maybe that Probably. could be what I'm thinking of. He Probably. was on the injury report, but he still ended up playing ended through playing. it. Right, right. And and Jordan Poyer is the same way. Yeah, your 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 assessment works out brilliantly, and you can use that as your ringtone in yeah. the future, A. Rich. Yeah, <laughs> I like few, that. A few comments I want to shout out. Joey, uh, definitely top three tandem in the league. Don't get enough props for what they do. I, I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. Every time I see a freaking safety ranking list, I never see them. I didn't see him on the top 10. I don't see him on the top five. I mm-hmm. wonder where it is. Jessica says a lot of players do not work out in Cleveland. We know that. We, yeah. we do know that. <laughs> that's and, a fact. And, that's, a fact and that's, yeah. a, that's a thanks from our organization to the Cleveland Browns for, for not working, you know, not not being the right home for a guy like Jordan Poyer. Mm-hmm. Michael, uh, the cap room, currently number 32 in the league. I don't know the exact number. The one I saw today was less than uh, two million. Less than the, two million. The one I saw today, Rich, actually said negative one point something million. But I right. don't believe you can be negative when it comes to cap room mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I I think that I think they have you know stuff going up. Understand the salary caps going up as much mm-hmm. as fifty. I, I don't know if if fifty million dollars is the right number. I know it did go up this year compared to mm-hmm. last year when it went down for the first time, but mm-hmm. it didn't go up astronomically. Mm-hmm. Lone Wolf says that'll be a tandem Bills fans are going to miss. A hundred percent. Yeah, it reminds me of the uh, Mario Williams Jerry Hughes. Mm-hmm. You know, when when Mario left, it was like, oh, you know, Jerry doesn't have his guy up against the other the other end. Uh, look, enjoy it while you Wolf. can, baby. We got to enjoy Lone it while Wolf we can. Says, I'm wrong. Say it loud and proud. I'm not SpongeBob. If you'd like to watch <laughs> that episode, you can. But, but that's definitely not me. <laughs> Appreciate you, Rich. You know, not every organization treats players the same. Mm. You know what I mean? At, at the right. end of the day, some guys don't have their input asked. Some guys get traded without knowing where they're going. Mm. And of course, I'm I'm alluding to a certain wide receiver in Seattle, that being DK Metcalf. This via his official Twitter account, I believe this was yesterday. Mm-hmm. He tweeted out, haven't heard anything per DKM14, which is him, of course. Mm -hmm. So he says he does not hear anything regarding the trade rumors. So my question is, is how often do players know when they're on the move? Because it it feels like it it goes by organization. That The Buffalo Bills had a few instances with this, with Stevie Johnson when he was traded, I believe, to the 49ers. He had said that, you know, he wasn't told by the team. He found out watching ESPN. Shady McCoy being traded to the Bills from the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm I'm pretty sure he didn't get a call from his GM. He found out when it was on, you know, Twitter or something like that. So do you think DK Metcalf has been told that they're receiving calls about him? Uh, you know, it, it's really tough to say right now, especially that that seems like a murky situation. If I'm thinking about, if I'm comparing it to, the rest of the receiving market in the NFL or what happened or what transpired with the rest of the receivers. I I would think it depends on the talent of the player, right? You had, you had, he's not a receiver, but you had Russell Wilson. He had an idea that 
he was going to get traded. And now once, once he got traded, Denver was one of his top destinations. Tyreek Hill, you know, we know, all know his talent. We, he had an idea that he was going to get traded and he got to choose between the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. And he chose Miami. Uh, mm -hmm. Devontae Adams knew that he was going to get traded. Aaron Rodgers knew because of that, uh, that, that crazy deal Aaron Rodgers signed, they both knew that Devontae Adams would get traded. But Devontae so Parker, Devontae Parker didn't know. <laughs> Devontae you, Parker just got traded. Do you think DK Metcalf knows that, that this is happening behind closed doors and he doesn't want to admit it? Or do you think that he's firmly on the belief that he's going to remain a Seattle Seahawk this year? I think he, I think he understood he should understand the business and he should know that uh his name is floating around behind uh behind closed doors. Uh he probably haven't heard anything per se. The organization probably didn't pick up the phone and tell him, "Hey, we're looking to shop you," but uh he understands the business. He understands the 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 off season that we're all witnessing this year and he also understand that the Seattle Seahawks are in a rebuilding mode and he's in the final year of his contract. So if he has any common sense, he should know. That's just my opinion. <laughs> and and you alluded to it yourself, the craziest offseason, excuse me, craziest mm -hmm. offseason of all time, the, the way this yes. has worked. Pro yes. Bowlers on the move, everything's working out. Uh, Jessica, what are you referring to? Article being a year old, the, the DK Metcalf tweet? If that's what you're referring to, I saw that come out just yesterday. So I, I'd like to hear what you're talking about. But mm -hmm. Rich, you, you mentioned Devontae Parker, and I want to get into him right now. Mm -hmm. Trade within the division, right? Mm -hmm. And this does not does not happen very often. You said Devontae Parker didn't get to pick where he went, right? Mm -hmm. I, I I read I read something just a couple hours ago that said Devontae Parker was asked where he wanted to go. Really? And he and he, and he said New England mm. and they and they made it happen. Wow. Well, you know what? If that is the case, then I do stand corrected. And and shout out to shout out to organizations are, uh, around the league. They they're letting players even even they're not supposed to have any say because really and truly they are signed in that contract and they're not technically free agents. Organizations are giving players the leeway to 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 find homes and find destinations. So shout out to organizations that's allowing players to do so. And uh, trading in the division is something that we don't see often. I don't think Devontae Parker is, is Basuda. I don't think he's trash. I think when healthy Devontae Parker could put up some numbers and he, he can be a solid receiver. So a uh, very interesting trade. Uh, I honestly, I like the trade for the New England Patriots. I think they get I like a, the trade for both receiver. teams. Yes, but I like both the trade teams for both get, teams. get a good grade in my yes. in my opinion. Yes, and we have Spin saying Parker probably had a no trade clause. I don't believe Devontae Parker had a no trade clause because he really didn't. He really didn't, you know, work out the way they wanted him to up until the final two years mm -hmm. that he was there. Alone Wolf with the question here. Do you think Bean has gotten calls about Diggs? Uh, GMs get calls all the time about players. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I, I I guarantee you he's probably gotten a call about Diggs. Did he Did he listen? Maybe. I, I would guess he would. That's the kind of GM Brandon Bean is. But if you if you weren't aware, Lone Wolf, the um, I believe it was the Washington Football Team who called every single team in the league asking about their quarterback's availability before trading for Carson Wentz. They called the Chiefs about Patrick Mahomes. They called the Bills about Josh Allen. They called the Packers about Aaron Rodgers. They called the Bucks about Tom Brady. They even called Andrew Luck, 
who is a retired quarterback. And then they decided, okay, none of these guys are available. So we are going to trade for Carson Wentz. And, and yes, talk about due diligence, right? Uh, you you, you got to give him credit for that. The, art, the article about the salary cap, Jessica, gotcha. I, I, I think it is going to go up. I just don't know that that $50 million is going to be the right number. But Devontae Parker gets traded, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had some people reach out to me asking me about the trade. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's a win for both sides. Somebody told me, so, so we use different words to describe players. Mm-hmm. Now, Devontae Parker, you think solid is the word for Devontae Parker? Because because I had somebody tell me he was a solid player. I was like, you know what? I think Devontae Parker is a good player. I think he I think he's above above solid at this point. I believe two one thousand yard seasons. I think I think Devontae Parker is is better than probably his statistics even shows. I think he should be actually a better player than what he is but he's been hampered hampered by injuries for his the majority of his career. If, I, if I'm just going to look at Devontae Parker right quick, uh, his rookie season, he only started four games, 2015. 2016, he started eight games. 2017, it was 12 games. 2018, he started seven games. 2019, he started the most games of his career, 14. He had 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns. 2020, he only he only started 11 games. In 2021, he started eight games. So I think he could be a great player if he was a healthy player and his health and his injuries, I think, hampered his career. And I think it was time for a destination change uh, for Devontae Parker in hopes that he can kind of rejuvenate his career with the New England Patriots. And and let's be clear, you know, Tua Tagovailoa, not the greatest quarterback in the league, not the worst. Mac Jones, again, not the greatest quarterback in the league, not the worst. I know Bills fans do not like either one. Who would you rather Based have? On, Who would you rather have, Tua or we'll, Mac Jones? We'll get into that in a second. Based mm-hmm. on the fact that they are both in the division and the way, you know, the Bills obviously had their rivalry, quote, with the Patriots over the last 20 years, Mac Jones is not a bad quarterback. You know, I yeah. mean, he, he did win Offensive Rookie of the Year. He was very accurate. If I had to pick Rich, I would pick Mac Jones. I would pick Mac Jones. Now, okay. it, it, it depends on the offense you run. It depends on your personnel. I mm-hmm. believe, you know, Tua's more mobile, you know, a, a little bit, you know, more able to move around in the pocket and, mm-hmm. and gives you, you know, gives you flashes. But Mac Jones is really, you know, accurate with the football. He may not have everything else, which is mm-hmm. what I believe he's lacking. Mm-hmm. But this is big. This could be the next step for Mac Jones. Devontae Parker, is he a number one? I don't think so. Is he going to play the number one role in New England? Definitely. He's going to be playing against some tough tough um, corners. But if, like you said, if he can stay healthy, I think he, he could be a could be a dangerous weapon for the New England Patriots. Um, you know what? I I, I think you're I think you're right. I, I think you're right. I think again. All depends on his health, and if if he can stay healthy, he could be a, a dangerous weapon. And um, it all depends. I have to look at. I'm not sure who's the offensive coordinator now for the New England Patriots. I think that's going to be a transition. I think Josh McDaniels was a was a hell of an offensive coordinator for that organization. And now that he's moved to the Raiders, uh, what is the next offensive coordinator going to do with Matt Jones? 
So they right. have not officially named an offensive coordinator. The belief is that it That's is going to be Bill Belichick. Belichick. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. So I want to see how Matt Jones develop in year two as opposed to year one, because I think that system, uh, Josh McDaniels did an excellent job catering to what he did well and masking to what he didn't do well. So we're going to see if Bill Belichick or whoever's calling plays with the New England Patriots can mirror that and do the same thing for Mac Jones. And we're going to see for Tua as, Tua as well because they have a new uh, coaching staff over there as well. And look at it this way. You know, they're, they're surrounding him with the weapons that they're able to surround him with. They gave him some tight ends last year. Uh, it didn't work. You know, they, they signed two of the biggest tight ends in free agency last year. And it didn't work. Now, does it not work because of injuries? Hey, maybe they played a part. Hunter Henry, definitely one of the most injury-prone players in the league. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan. Of, I was a big fan of Hunter Henry when he was on the Chargers. Probably mm -hmm. not so much when he's on the Patriots. Mm -hmm. But hampered by injuries, for sure. They're they're doing their best to surround their quarterback to win football games. Mm -hmm. we, we can mock that, of course, because they're the Patriots. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, them getting better – is is going to hurt the Bills' chances of winning more football games, of winning the division. Do I still think the Bills are the best team in the AFC East? Most definitely. Mm -hmm. But th this trade was good for both sides. And if you guys aren't sure of the details, I want to let you know the Devontae Parker trade. The Patriots received Devontae Parker and a 2022 fifth-round pick, and the Dolphins get a 2023 third-round pick. I wonder if anybody else was interested in Devontae Parker if there were better offers out there, because I don't know if you saw, uh, I believe we talked about it, Rich, the offer from the Jets for Tyreek Hill, which mm -hmm. didn't even include a first round pick. Mm -hmm. and they ended up, they, they ended up taking the Dolphins offer. So mm -hmm. I wonder if there was a better offer out there, if there were worse offers out there or how this worked, because at the end of the day, we're really not going to know it. I don't think they're going to come out and say, Hey, uh, this is Bill Belichick. And, uh, Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wanted Devontae Parker, you know, mm -hmm. that's not how it's going to be. It's it's not going to go anything like that. I do. I definitely think there was worse offers out there. I, I definitely think because third round pick for Devontae Parker, I think that's, you know, I think that's pretty high. I think that's pretty high. I, you know, for a receiver if, that's gone over a thousand yards once or twice, uh, a, a young guy who still has potential. I mean, you got a fifth round pick too. You got you got to put that into perspective. That that right. goes with your your draft trade chart. I think right. it's fair for both sides. I think it's a B. Fair. It's a B okay. B B for both teams. Okay, that's fair. And and, and and B because they're either going to be second or third in the division when the Buffalo Bills win the AFC East next year. Yes, a former agree with that. a former Buffalo Bill has taken his cleats, Rich, and finally put him off to the side. Mm -hmm. Frank Gore retires after. God knows how many seasons. 62. Let's say it's been 62 seasons in the NFL for Frank Gore. All jokes aside, a hell of a player. Obviously his prime in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. uh, future Hall of Famer, Rich? Uh, yes. Uh, I think uh, Frank is it, Gore. Is it just because he's third all-time in yards that he's a future Hall of Famer? Um, Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that you know I think that definitely has a lot to do with it, man. Frank Gore, he has sixteen thousand rushing yards, man. Exactly sixteen thousand, which is He's, a very, uh, you know, it, it, it's a number you look at and are just happy to see because it's not like fifteen thousand nine hundred ninety nine, you know. He has sixteen thousand um, um, rushing yards. He has nine 
1,000 yard seasons. If you ask me, Frank Gore really overachieved. I don't even think the odds touchdowns. of him, the odds, touchdowns to go with it. The odds of him being a Hall of Famer when you look at his career is slim. This is a guy that had multiple ACL injuries. He had multiple surgeries on those knees early in his career. And despite those injuries, he was able to have a productive NFL career, not only productive to the point of nine, a thousand yard seasons and 16,000 yards and 81 touchdowns. That is something that uh, with the type of injuries he had early on, if you was to ask that question of a player with those injuries would end up being a Hall of Famer, I'm going to take the latter and say no. So what he was able to do and what he was able to overcome, uh, and I think is is very inspiring. And I think uh, because of that, man, Frank Gore, first ballot Hall of Famer. No question. First ballot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <sighs> this may be a little controversial. And and that's what that's what I'm known for. So it's it's quite okay that mm-hmm. that happens. But am am I a Frank Gore fan? Yeah, you know, you put on a Buffalo Bills uniform. Usually, I'm your fan. Uh, very very good with the San Francisco 49ers. Some would say great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said it yourself. Nine thousand yards, season 16, 16,000 yards for his career. Mm-hmm. So he obviously played a really long career, and that that plays a part in the fact that he was able to accrue. So many rushing yards, so many rushing touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I believe he is a he's he's going to be in the Hall of Fame first ballot. Mm-hmm. I I'm not sure, to be honest. But the reason, like, I don't know how to say it correctly. If if you were to name right your top five or your top ten running backs ever, do you think Frank Gore is touching that list? No, no, I don't think I don't think he would be the name that comes to mind when you talk about best. But he doesn't come up in top five. He doesn't come up in top 10. Where does he come up? Top 15, top 20? That's something I'll really have to sit down and evaluate. And then we have to discuss why is that? Is it because that, is it because Frank Gore is not a flashy guy? He's not a sexy guy. He's, he hasn't been in the media. He hasn't really, he hasn't really gotten to trouble. You know, he hasn't, he's not that elusive break ankle kind of guy. He's more of a guy that, North and South, and he just goes about his business and he quietly gets the job done. And because of that, because he isn't sexy, I don't think he would be discussed in terms of greatest ever. But when you talk about our production, because at the end of the day, it's a productive based business. And if you're going to line up his production, his production can line up with with any running back in in this NFL. So um because of that and think about running back position man he started at 22 years old he retired at 37 years old this is playing the running back position that is almost unheard of man so Mm -hmm. a lot of factors in my opinion go into why not only he's a a hall of famer but should hit should be a first ballot hall of fame now spin i i understand there's more than 10 running backs in the hall of fame that wasn't my point Mm -hmm. my point is is he going to be a hall of famer yes but he's not going to be the the guy you think of. Like he, he's standard. one of those, he's one of those hall of famers that hits and it's like, you know, props to you, you know, for, for mm-hmm. a great career, but you didn't change the game. You didn't change the game the way that other guys have. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you know, neither here nor there, I guess, you know, hall mm-hmm. of fame's hall of fame at the end of the day, he mm-hmm. deserves it for, for what he's done. It's mm-hmm. just, 
I don't I don't like the slander on Frank Gore, and I'm not trying to slander him myself, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Hell of a career, props to him. I'm glad he broke the I believe he broke that yardage record in, in Buffalo when he was with the Bills. I believe so. I'm not a hundred percent. Don't quote me, but I believe so. I always quote you. That's how it works. <laughs> I want to take you guys to the final segment of tonight, and we appreciate you all coming out for Mm -hmm. the conflict of interest. But it's a new segment, and I want everybody to get involved with it. If you'd like, of course, there's going to be a post going out via the official Built in Buffalo Facebook page uh, around Thursday. Mm -hmm. And we are going to call this segment Viewer Mail. So if you guys have any any questions or Mm -hmm. comments or something you, you think that you'd like to see us debate, please let us know. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will definitely get to it. Spin says he didn't change the game; he mastered the game. That that's fine. That's mm-hmm. fine. I, I I like that. I like that I like statement that. a lot. Mm-hmm. But when I say change the game, I mean kind of what Rich was saying with like sexy. You know, like Ladanian Tomlinson, I believe was it twenty nine touch twenty nine rushing touchdowns, mm-hmm. something like that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Something where you know his. Frank Gore's highlights will never hit the way Barry Sanders highlights hit, the way LaDainian Tomlinson highlights hit, the way Adrian Peterson highlights hit. Mm-hmm. So good. he was able to last in the league for a very long time, and props to him. I don't. I think he was really freaking good, really good in his career. I believe it was two, two ACL injuries, Rich, that you were alluding to, you know, mm-hmm. in his college, college mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. Unheard of. Unheard of for a guy to do what he did. Is he going to be in the Hall of Fame? Yes. My point is he's just not going to be, you know, that that top guy on a, on anybody's list. Frank but Gore, he, he wasn't that trend transcendent player, right? He wasn't okay. one of those type of players, but he was very productive throughout his career. And and that's and that's what you have to be to get in the Hall of Fame. You mm-hmm. don't always have to be the best at your position ever. And I'm not saying you have to, are there more than 10 quarterbacks in the hall of fame? Of course there are more than 10 quarterbacks in the hall of fame. Mm -hmm. So does he deserve it? Yes. It's going Mm -hmm. to happen eventually guaranteed Mm -hmm. into the viewer mail segment. This, this is our first one. Uh, Rich, I'm going to let you take the lead on this. What side of the ball would you spend the most money on? Is this going to be offense defense? I guess if you want to include special teams, uh, you can. Do I think you're going to pick special teams? Mm-hmm. I, I really don't think so. And this question brought to you by Kendall J. Banks. Appreciate you for sending me the question. Rich, kick us off. Well, if you're going to let me kick it off and ask me what side of the ball would I spend my money on, or if I'm thinking about the Bills roster, what side of the ball they should spend their money on, I'm going to go offense. I think the Buffalo Bills should spend the, spend money, the most money on the offensive side of the ball. Why? Um, we have a defensive side. We have a defensive-minded coach. So because of that, I expect my defensive-minded coach to have his players ready to play on that side of the ball because that is his expertise, right? Like and uh, uh, Sean McDermott, being that he's defensive mind, that's his expertise. His expertise isn't on the offensive side. So if your expertise isn't on the offensive side, I want as much talented players that I possibly can have on the offensive side of the ball because I know you can maximize the defensive players even though even though they may not be the best players. Uh, but I don't know if you could do that on the opposite side of the ball. So that is one reason why I would spend most of my money on the offensive side of the ball. The second reason is uh, Josh Allen. I want to get Josh Allen as much toys as possible. I want the Buffalo Bills offense to be the biggest 
freaking headache to uh, defensive coordinators and opposing defenses leading up to the week they're playing us. So because of those reasons, the Buffalo Bills, in my opinion, if I was the GM, I would spend the most money on the offensive side of the ball because I have a guru head coach on the defensive side of the ball, and he's going to get those players to play uh, effective ball. And now I want to just score as much points as humanly possible. Wow. I like that. I like that a lot. That you went you went into some things that man, I, I wouldn't even came up with, Rich. So props to you for that. And and sadly, I'm I'm gonna agree with Rich. So for all of you who who love the conflict of interest and love our conflicts, make sure to tune in during the regular season when mm-hmm. we have some stuff to debate going on. Mm-hmm. Of course, we're gonna be getting you your your draft episodes coming up in the near future within the next three weeks. We're, we're going to talk about it off camera and, mm-hmm. and let you guys know how that's going to go. But what side of the ball do you spend the most money on? I think it depends on your organization, depends on your team, depends on your play style. It depends on your era at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. in 2022 right now, you, you, you give me a team. We'll, we'll take the Buffalo bills. Of course, that's our team. We wrap mm-hmm. the merch. Mm-hmm. Rich has got it behind him, built in Buffalo. Of course, that's that's who we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's the offense. And the reason it's the offense is because of Josh Allen. It's because of Josh Allen. And it's the way that the Bills offense works. Who mm-hmm. who would have believed if seven years ago I told you, hey, the Bills are a passing team now? Who would have mm-hmm. believed it? Mm-hmm. Nobody. They were a rushing team for, for God knows how long. So now that passing is the way of the league, I think offense is the way. You need a left tackle, which is one of the highest paid positions in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the quarterbacks are already figured out. You have a number one wide receiver over there who should be making a lot more money than he is. They got him on a freaking discount. Mm -hmm. You should be really happy with that. Mm -hmm. You got the tight end. You have all these positions around your quarterback. And you look at a guy like Drew Brees who had all the talent in the world and only won one Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Because what, what did they do around him? What, right. what did they do around him? But I think it's it's the offense because that's how you win games. But, Rich, I'm torn because in this year's Super Bowl, it wasn't the offense that won the game. It was mm-hmm. the defense of the Los Angeles Rams that ended up clinching the Super Bowl and beating the Cincinnati Bengals. So if defense wins championships, how are we spending the most money on offense? Mm, touche. Uh, that's you know that's an excellent excellent question. I think, uh, I think every year poses a, a a different threat, or every year can be a different year. I don't think because, for example, the defense won the championship this year, meaning it means it's going to happen the same way it happens next year. You know, I think every year is going to be different from year to year. And this I mean, year was if, one if of those you years. Put that, if you want to put that into perspective, look at the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl based off of their defense. Mm-hmm. Was it, it based on Brady? But, but was it based off the defense or was it based on the offense? Because now we could say, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, they had a lot of injuries along that offensive line. We can also say the Cincinnati Bengals didn't invest – in that offensive line like they should have. And that is the reason why that the Rams was able to take advantage. But if you invest in the offensive line, you don't have Jamar Chase. And if you don't have Jamar Chase, do you make it to the Super Bowl? 
That's another. That's that's another. Ex, that's another. There, there are question. so many what ifs questions. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think the answer to this lies somewhere in the middle, Rich. I think I think you can spend the most money on offense, but be willing be willing to put the money at people on defense at the positions you need at the positions that have value. Mm-hmm. A defensive end, a pass rushing defensive end, needs to be paid a lot of money. Look at Von Miller. Okay, mm-hmm. that that's what happens. Your, your linebackers, I think the Buffalo Bills have a really good method right now. Quarterback, the most highly paid position on the team. That's probably the case for, for most teams, probably not every team. The wide receiver one being paid. The running back still on a on a rookie deal. Like, they're, they're smart enough to, to keep guys around. You, you look at the Buffalo Bills team on paper, there's not a bad contract. There really isn't. Now you can you can debate with me about Ryan Bates. I think they're paying a little bit a little bit too much for a guy who really hasn't proven himself all the way yet. Mm-hmm. They obviously wanted to retain him, but I think I think this is a really good question, and I don't know that there's a fair answer to it. And that's fair, you know that's fair. And also, when you think about now, when you think about this question now, if we take in the Buffalo Bill. Oh, I don't want to say take the Buffalo Bills out the out the equation because I want to actually include them. Um, let's 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 you think wanna, about you want to be a, t- a different team. You want to you want to be the GM of a different team. Well, I, I I do in a second, but I also want to ask. I also want to ask um, who are who are the core players for the Buffalo Bills on both sides of the ball? Like who are the guys that you know that are here for the long haul, who are the core players? Do the Buffalo Bills have more core players on offense or do the Buffalo Bills have more core players, players on defense? I know it's a lot right now. I know you probably got to do some thinking, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know, like, the core players for the Buffalo Bills. Who is here for the long haul? Like, we spoke about it, Tremaine it de- Edmonds. He's young, but on, is he a core player? It depends on how you, how you define the word core player. Do mm. you define the word core player – as a a guy who's going to spend his career here, do you define a core player as a young guy who's still on his rookie contract? Do you define a core player as a guy who is expected to stay even though he's got a market out there? Mm. If 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 you ask me this question right now, is there more core players on offense or defense? I I think it's defense. I think mm. it's defense because I, I think of Poyer, I think of Hyde, I think of Tredavious White, I think of Matt Milano, Ed Oliver, Von Miller. That's mm. six. Is there mm. six guys on offense? Josh Allen, Gabriel Davis, Stefan Diggs, Dawson Knox, Devin Singletary sometimes. That's fine. Deion, Deion Dawkins? Do I put him in that level? That Singletary is a question for me. So yes, even he's if you throw Deion he's Dawkins, replace, I think that replace would, him. that'd be five, five mm-hmm. and a half if you want to count Singletary for half. I think it's really close. I think it's a really close argument, but that, that's a really good question. And if you're the GM of a different team, you may have a different mindset. Mm-hmm. I believe it was the New York Giants a couple of years ago who set their record for the most money spent on defense. It was like over $200 million mm-hmm. spent on defense. It was when Eli Manning was still in town. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work because the team wasn't good around him, but it doesn't always work. Either way, you mm-hmm. have to be smart with your money. On, on both sides of the ball, no matter what. You have to and 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 hey, that's a lie. What I just said is a lie. Don't listen to me. Because, <laughs> because you don't have to be smart. Because the Rams were not smart with their money. Hmm. They went out and paid guys massive contracts and it worked out. They won a Super Bowl. 
but you know what? It, 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 I, I think I, I think we could we could break that down a little bit. You don't want to pay the wrong guys massive money. Mm-hmm. They paid a lot of massive money to guys that actually worked out. And I mm-hmm. think that that's a difference to opposed to the New York Giants that just paid guys and those guys didn't live up to their contract. So I, and think, I think there's a different recipe for success for each and every team. Each yes. and every team has a different way to work out. Izzy, shout out to you. Offense, we got Diggs, Josh, Knox, Docs, Morse, mm, Alana Morse. White, Poyer, Hyde, Oliver. I, I don't know. I don't know that I'd put Taron Johnson all the way up there yet. I do. I do. <laughs> I don't know how you. Player. I don't know how you define the, the term core player. That, that's a really good question. I, I like it. I like it a lot. I love Taron Johnson, by the way. I just okay. don't know if I if I talk about him in the same way that I talk about Porter and Hyde. Okay, I I I see that, but I notice nobody has we we don't know the exact definition of core player, but nobody is Cody has, Ford on this list. Is oh gosh, <laughs> but nobody has Tremaine Edmonds on this list of core players, even though we don't know the exact definition. Is there any reason? Is there any reason why does he? I guess he still has to prove that he I, belongs. I don't think I don't think he's here for the long haul. That's why I don't think I would I would choose him as a core player. Is Von Miller a core player? I I think yes. I think I may have missed on Von Miller, so that that brings it up to seven. I think Von I think Von Miller is a core player because I believe it was you was it you Spin who said um, Spinner Lone Wolf that said it's somebody you build around. That's the definition. Lone Wolf, a core player is somebody you build around, in my opinion. So if if we're using that definition, Von Miller is definitely a core player because. He's somebody you're, you know, he's going to give opportunities to the younger guys like Ed Oliver, like Gregory Rousseau. You, you have already built around Von Miller in a way, if that makes sense. Okay. I like it. I like it. Four, two, five, most plays in Tehran got paid. I'm not saying he didn't get paid, is he? I just, I, I don't know that I put him up in, in, in my core players. He could mm-hmm. be in somebody else's and that's perfectly fine. I, I love him as a, as a football player. I just, I don't know. Is, is he the best slot corner in the league, Rich? Is he the best? Oh, man. Um, you have the guy from the Colts. You have Teron Johnson. I think he's I think he's definitely top two or three, man. I think Teron Johnson is definitely top two or three. And but I think- how, how important is your slot corner, right? That, that, that also has to come into question. I think it's a very important position. Very important. But is it? Is it number one? Is it number two? It's not. It's it's technically number three on a depth chart. So I, think I, I, I don't know if I can put him all the way up there with a guy like Hyde, with a guy like Poirier. Let me ask you this. If you put Taron Johnson in the position that Micah Hyde was in on that pass in the playoff game when, when they were going to score a touchdown, do you think Taron Johnson makes that interception? Repeat the question. Me, on, on the on the interception by Micah Hyde in the playoffs against the New England Patriots, if you put Taron Johnson in Back that there. position where Micah Hyde is, do you think he makes that play? No, I I, I it's, it's, that's an incredible play. I don't I don't know. I don't think so. If so I had how to... many how many incredible plays has Taron Johnson made? You know but what I mean? I, I think I think he's a good a safety. football player. That's a safety position. That's hard. That's hard to say that. Of course, I think Taron Johnson is a really good football player. But, you know, we mentioned sexy. We mentioned, you know, these game-changing guys. I don't think he's there quite yet. I think he could get there. I, Dude, I love Terry Johnson. I think he's great. 
but I don't yeah. know. And and Izzy says Vaughn's a finishing player, not core. So I don't know where we're going with this because I'm very confused. So, so, so I'm thinking. So here's what I'm thinking about core player. I'm thinking core player is a guy that 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 has that that we see longevity with. And if we see longevity with this particular player, he is, in my opinion, should be perceived as a core player. And is, I see Ron Johnson. Is Edmonds a core player on your list then? No, he's not. I But I do think now just because he isn't, I don't think uh, he, he can. That can change by the end of the year, depending on his play. I think he can become a core player, but I don't think he is a core player right now based on his play. So, Spin, if if you tell me this, that this is a fair argument. You can't expect a slot cornerback to make that play. So, Tyron Matthew, who plays slot corner, safety, linebacker, moves all around the field, right? He's made plays everywhere on the field. If you want me, if you want me to take, if you want me to take Taron Johnson and apply that to a corner, do you think he makes that play against the Broncos that Tredavious White makes? Do you think he makes the plays that Tredavious White makes? He he doesn't. He he doesn't right now. No, and he's not I'm, a number one corner. I understand that. But that's how I'm basing my rankings is like I, the, the definition of the word, if you're going to define it that way, Rich, if you're going to say it's a guy that you can build who's going to be here for the long haul, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay with you having him on the list because he is a, a three-year deal, right? Is a three-year deal the long haul in your opinion now? Uh, he signed – well, he he's an unrestricted free. He becomes a he's not a free agent until twenty twenty five. So he had his first four years, and I think he signed a three year deal. So if I'm if I'm including his rookie deal plus his second contract, yeah, I think so. It's think it's so. different positions in a way. Yes, in a way, no. It's still called cornerback. I agree. I agree. But I also have to. You know, mm, that's interesting to, right there. That's the that's I, interesting. I have to tell you, yeah. Spin it, giving it, us conflicts, man. Spin is giving us conflicts. Spin, spin, <laughs> is, spin is having a good time directing the show right now, and we appreciate it for sure. I just don't know, you know, how important your slot corner is to your success long term, right? Can can he can can Taron Johnson make or break the Buffalo Bills season? I I don't think so. I don't think he can. I think I think the nickel cornerback position is a very, very, very important position. I'm gonna take it out. I'll go a step further. I think the nickel cornerback position is just as important as the boundary cornerback position, man, because that you know slot slot receivers slot the slot is they're changing the game, man. Slot receivers are changing the game, and you could you could get to put Re- Stefan Diggs, you could line up in a slot. Uh, to cause mismatches. There's receivers that play the slot, Keenan Allen. There's receivers that play the slot because the talent... Well, they move around. They move around. they move around. Wide wide receivers move around. And you don't see cornerbacks. You don't see boundary cornerbacks playing in the slot. And why not? Why don't they move around? They can't... You can't play this. They can't play the slot. (laughs) The boundary corners... It's hard for boundary corners to play the slot. They have that boundary. They have the out of bounds. They have that sideline as their best friend. And when you have to play the slot cornerback position, slot cornerbacks have to worry about both sides. Both sides are green grass for them. So I mm-hmm. think that's a you know a, a, a very interesting debate. I and just, topics. I I don't think I can put Taron Johnson on a list that includes all pro players and Pro Bowl players. Can can we agree on that? I don't know. 
<laughs> you can't you can't come off of this with me, nah, can you? Nah, man. No, nah, because Teron Johnson, I'll put it like this. I think I I think Teron uh Teron Johnson is a, a, a very important player for the Bills. Let, let, and I think he is too. Let me let me say that yeah. for people who don't who don't think that. But you know, I guess I guess it depends on our like you said. At the end of the day, I think it depends on our definition of of core player, and that's where the difference could lie. Everybody, thank you for coming out today. We appreciate your viewership. Of course, we are the real Dan Kelly at King Rich underscore nine eight seven. Keep up with us. Get to know us. Uh, please leave leave you know uh, comments on the post that's going up on Thursday for anything you want to see debated. If there's a position in the draft that you want us to look at, anything at all. Let us know. We we will get to the to the comments. Of course, we always do. Rich, sign us off, buddy. Uh, a Rich, Akeem Richens, Dan Kelly, the real Dan Kelly. We appreciate everybody for watching today, whether you was watching on Twitter, YouTube, or Facebook. Uh, thanks for rocking with us. Uh, thanks for understanding. I think we're in episode three or four. I think the comment section is finally understanding that hey, these guys talk about things besides the bills and. Uh, we appreciate everybody for rocking with we, us. We appreciate that a lot. Yes. Thank you so much. I, I thought it was going to take a little bit longer for people to get accustomed to the yeah. fact that it's not just Buffalo Bills centric. Yes. But we, we appreciate that. Thank you so much. Definitely. Definitely. We appreciate everybody in the comment section. I appreciate my, my, my brother Izzy. Izzy has a lights out freaking show on Sunday nights, 7 p.m., 7.15 p.m., the Red Zone Report. Please tune into that. Uh, this week again on the Built in Buffalo Network on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter channel. Uh, excellent job from Izzy and, and excellent job from us tonight, man. I think it was an excellent show, man. Excellent show. And guys, show. be sure to stay up with everything that Built in Buffalo is doing. Next week on Monday, I will be a guest on the Breaking Tables podcast. Yes. And of course, bringing you the conflict of interest each and every Tuesday. Spin, just because I love you so much, I'm going to let this comment end the show. As always, we love you all. Go Bills. Go Bills.